Welcome to Win the Future, a podcast where we chat with folks who are tackling the most significant challenges our communities face today to make for a better tomorrow. I'm your host, Brett Broster. This is episode number four. Our guest is the one and only Bob Chacoin, who is the owner of Dockside Brewery, which is a brewery that opened up in the midst of the pandemic and has experienced immense success. Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Brett. Uh, I wouldn't say great, but uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Great sitting here with you. Tell us a little bit about Dockside and opening up during the pandemic. The biggest thing for us was the ability to pivot. I use the word a lot. Uh, we were supposed to name a bear after we never did, but uh, we were spo- we planned on opening March 23rd uh, and Kevin Fitzsimmons, our general manager, is on the board of the Connecticut Restaurant Association and kind of was feeling like we were going to get the, the restaurants were going to get shut down. So we decided to pause for a week to see what would happen. Fortunately enough, the next day um, we, we did get the, the quarantine for, for restaurants. Um, we had eight tanks full of beer. We had hired just some cooks, so we didn't hire any staff outside of the cooks. So we decided to uh, do takeout to see basically how we, what kind of reception we get with our beer and uh, in our food. Uh, the reception we got was tremendous. The, the, the community was so supportive. Uh, so that was April 3rd. We opened our doors for takeout. Um, and then uh, for those, I guess, six, seven weeks after that, the, we just really blown away on, on the reception we got with, with the beer. And, and it was really all through social media that we got the feedback from. I really want to give credit to the staff for you know not really having a true... Uh, blueprint on what, how we were going to do it, but we just did it. Uh, and then when, when we were able to open the doors May 20th, I got to say our best, our best friend was the weather at that point. As you know, we have five uh, levels of outdoor seating uh, and the weather, I think it was something insane, like 29 of the first 30 days were sun. Uh, so that made it easier in terms of uh, attracting people, uh, especially during a pandemic. Uh, one of the big things I heard from everyone that I spoke with was this is my first time out since, you know, since the quarantine, you know, they were happy to be outside. They felt comfortable. We did everything we could to, you know, we followed the guidelines by the health, Milford health department, uh, tables, uh, space to park correctly. And, uh, and just from there, from each day, we just, it was a learning curve. Um, what do we do better? What can we do better? How do we make people feel more comfortable, safe? Uh, and, and that, and I think, uh, a combination of uh, the food and, and beer uh, we provided, I think it just made it a lot, made it easier on us as a, as a business to, to operate. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about what the reception's been for the beer. Uh, the beer, and listen, we're in Connecticut. Uh, over the last uh, three years of this project, I've tasted a lot of beer, a lot of it with you, and I've really grown to... Uh, for the New England IPAs, that was something I didn't really drink. I was a big lager drinker. Uh, and the, the first thing that I asked of uh, Andy Schwartz uh, was, please, let's make a good New England IPA. We're in Connecticut. They, everyone loves the haze. And, you know, uh, the reception has been really good. I, I'm, I'm very ha- I was more than happy because I had never actually tried his beer outside of Stony Creek. And, um, you know, we've had uh, people, again, I, I try to do as much table touching as possible with customers see you know what do you think of the food what do you think of the beer uh and i've heard i've heard the reference and i'm not saying that i'm comparing or anything but i've heard trillium i've heard 
um, Treehouse, which is just, it's flattering for what for whatever. Everyone has their own style of beer and they do things a certain way. Um, but the the reception's been good, and I think one of the biggest things outside of the New England IPAs is he is. Uh, broadening his range he's doing he's got the lagers he tries to do something for everyone the sours uh dark bears uh so he's been he's been really uh cognizant of trying to address a bear for a bear style for every type of customer that comes in if you don't if you don't like it in new england then may you know we have a lager etc and what have you find what have you found are the best sellers thus far definitely by far feeling juicy new england ipa it's a single it is by far the most uh, applauded bear. Fredo is our Italian Pilsner. That's our best-selling bear. And it's simply, uh, and I was you know, kind of alerted to this by beforehand, it's a, it's a lighter bear, so you can drink more of it. So by volume, it's, it's uh, Fredo, but uh, I think by style, it's definitely feeling juicy. And we've gotten really good reception on, on sours, but he's, he hasn't branded one in particular that he continuously makes. He keeps changing up the sours. Got it. And with... When it comes to seltzers, obviously that market has expanded wildly. What are you seeing in terms of sales volume in that category? Uh, this summer, I mean, White Claw still dominates. Uh, there's no question. We, we have White Claw and Truly um, in a can, obviously, uh, both at the, you know, the, at the upstairs bar and then our beach bar. Uh, White Claw is probably two to one over Truly, but it's a solid of our canned sales it's it's got to be at least 30 35 percent of our sales just just that one out of all the can and we do we do sell a lot of cans um wine other beers uh down at the beach especially uh but white claw hands down uh i will throw this in high noon actually picked up some pace after uh getting the nice rating from uh portnoy <laughs> interesting yeah do you think that the rating is that what you think had the biggest Yes, hundred um, percent. As soon as I came out, it was like he couldn't keep it on the shelves. I mean, we we got aggressive, uh, just unfortunate, but we bought uh, I think over a hundred cases of it immediately just to have it, and it was wasn't enough. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing to to see just how someone can carry so much weight when you get that rating, and you know, just like the the uh, the pizzerias in uh, in New Haven. Yeah. Wow. Similar with, with Barstool. Yeah. Barstool. Sorry. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. That's interesting. So in terms of opening up amidst, amidst the pandemic, what were a couple of the biggest challenges you faced and had to overcome? Well, the biggest is not knowing where your employees are going. Uh, we, you know, on, on premise, we, you know, we did follow all the rules, wash your hands, mask, gloves. However, when they leave there, you just never know where they're going, who they're with, where they're coming back. We take temperatures uh, to make sure, but that's still not, uh, you know, not foolproof. Um, but that, that was the biggest one. And, and then that also would be, I guess, trickled down to making sure that everything was clean, uh, sanitized, everything. And you, you just don't have eyes for everything. So that, that those, I mean, it all was about cleanliness and sanitizing. I guess that was the biggest challenge to make sure that our customers felt uh, comfortable coming in because all it takes is one person to take a picture of something that's off kill and, and, and you can get it can be devastating yeah definitely so and, and like i said I, I really gotta it starts at the top with you know kevin and um our employees really taking it seriously they did it for i couldn't ask for better employees uh this summer especially but just in general they just all we're uh, willing to cooperate and however, whatever we told them to do, this is what you got to do. They, they did it. That's great. How has it been dealing with customers who 
might not be uh, inclined to wear a mask due to whatever. Funny you say that. Uh, day one, uh, when we opened up May 20th, until I'd say a solid month, 85% of my day, and, I, and I'm not kidding you, 85 was walking around telling people to put their mask on. And I think it was just a habit of getting up from the table um, and just forgetting it. Uh, I'd say of that 85% at the time, half of them were like, oh, I'm so sorry. The other half would kind of be like, really? And it's definitely, I'm down to like, not, every, not, not even every day I have to ask someone. Um, but you still get some people that just, you know, they just don't believe in it and tough luck. And uh, we've had, a, I've actually had to have security remove someone because he just wouldn't, he just wouldn't listen to me. Wow. <laughs> and I repeatedly said, he, he repeatedly said, I don't need a mask. No one's wearing a mask. And as you know, state mandate is if you're not seated, you need a mask to avoid any conflict. It's just easy to ask him, you know, if you don't want to wear a mask, you just can't, you know, safety of others and comfort, you know, comfort level for other, for the customers. Understood. So you, you get very, very minimal, but that that was one really outlier that was like, really, you just can't listen and put your mask on. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so in terms of, so with small businesses opening up right now, we're at a 10-year high in terms of registration of new enterprises. What advice would you give to somebody who's starting a business right now? Expect the unexpected. And be able to pivot. I can't stress that enough. Not, just don't be so rigid that you can't change because things just change on a dime. Uh, you know, every, every business is different, obviously. But um, I just, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is my second business. So uh, every time we've, you know, something's come up, I, I'm just flexible. I don't, I don't sit there and say it's my way and then that's it. So if you, I just feel like you have to be able to adjust, be nimble, pivot, you know, the same old words. Chameleon is the best way to do it. Got it. And but we're here with Bob Chicoin. We'll be back right after a quick break. Win the Future is sponsored in part by Connecticut by the Numbers. If you're looking to learn more about what's happening and why, check out Connecticut by the Numbers, where every number tells a story. Connecticut by the Numbers goes beyond the headlines across the state. For Connecticut news that counts, visit ctnumbers.news or follow them at ctnumbers. And we're back. And thanks for, again for tuning in. And we're here with Bob Chacoin, owner of the Great Dockside Brewery and fantastic guy. Bob, thanks again for being on. In terms of the future of the brewpub industry and restaurants, since your family is so um, renowned in that world as well with uh, the Lovanos Restaurant Group, can you talk a little bit about what you see as trends for the future? For trends in the brewery industry, um I think, and this initially wasn't even our real our, uh, beginning plan. Again, I kept being pivoting. Uh, I think through the pandemic, it shows you a kitchen is very valuable. It allowed us to open up without any restrictions uh, in the beginning with food trucks and, and you know having to rely on food trucks. The kitchen, uh, you know, allowed us to. Uh, to open, uh, you know, we're, we're hybrid, we're a brew pub, we brew on premise, we have a full kitchen, uh, that, that's just kind of a, a made it that much easier to, to stay open uh, as a restaurant. Um, so I think, and I can speak, you know, for, and, and, you know our, we have, as you know, Engine 15 down in Jacksonville, we have um, food trucks and it just hasn't worked out down there. So, you know, we just kind of doing our best. We have a brew pub and that's just the main focus now. Um, just kind of going away from the distribution and going more towards the brew pub where you can serve on premise and have more, more to go bear. A lot more, you know, also is a little bit more profit on that. 
as for restaurants, uh, that, that's a tough one because um, I think right now it just depends. And as you know, my wife has uh, family. They have restaurants in Manhattan, which unfortunately just happen to be in Midtown. And it's just kind of a, uh, the situation is there's no one in Midtown right now. They're open. They're able to open uh, inside and they have enough seating. It's just there's just no one there to go inside right now where they uh, normally would. So that one, I, I just feel like if you can somehow focus, I don't know if this ever happens again in there after we've, we've solved this in our generation, but the ability to have some type of outside seating as a fallback, that's, that's it. And I think, um, and one of the things that we didn't never planned on at Dockside was takeout. Um, delivery, takeout, those are the two things that if you can somehow have that, either you start with that or have the ability to do it if something ever again happens like this, have that option. Well, and, and it's interesting to talk about takeout. So last night I ordered the uh, steak bowl from Dockside, which is a personal Those favorite. Nice. And in going to... Power bowl. Which <laughs> definitely powerful a powerful guy, bowl. Brett. <laughs> yeah, far from it. But, <laughs> but you are for sure. And in going to Dockside, I mean, your setup is great. And it looks like you made tweaks post-opening to ensure that that is safe and, and in a good spot. Tell us a little bit about that process. Yes. Um, like I said, we never, it was never in the plan to do takeout. It was just to do, do the, you know, bear restaurant type brew pub. Um, but to, to open up and, ha- and get, get our brand out there, we, we started takeout. Uh, and that was the, the easy part was nothing was open. So we kind of used everything that we had. The main floor was basically, it was, it was a warehouse because we didn't have to worry about it. Um, and then we just did takeout and we pushed it on social media. And like I said, the community reception was really flattering because you know, the people will come, you get to know people, uh, cause you go out there and you give them their food and you know, uh, if they, you know, either open the trunk or put in the back seat. you know, how we took all the precautions in that way. As for the inside, again, that was just one of those things that the space was there and we just were like, all right, how do we separate it? So it has its own little, uh, area. Uh, we you know put up another wall to separate, take out and pick up uh, in in the front, so to speak. So uh, it just kind of happened. Again, it's just one of those things where you just and, and and I can say this basically over the last three months. I just keep finding ways to just keep making it better for the customer experience, whatever it may be. Investments in the future. Yeah, we invest in capital. In terms of going into the winter months. What are some of the things you see happening in the policy arena or just personally with the business that will need to happen in order to adapt or to allow businesses to adapt better? Obviously, any way you can do outdoor seating <clears throat> with the capacity at 75%, it didn't affect us. We're 50, we, from 50 to 75 because our inside isn't that large and maintaining the distance and we, our tables stayed the same, didn't help us at all. We, you know, we have a tent that we have in the beer garden and we, we have heaters for that. Just small heaters, propane heaters that go out every single day, but we're allowed to, um, have, you know, three walls and you know, people were on the water. So we're fortunate that way we can still see the water and, uh, uh, Jack Frost hasn't hit us yet. So it's still right now. Okay. Uh, anyway, you can enclose it. Um, we just keep looking at things. We invested in igloos, so you get your own personal experience. Again, there's something with that, an individual 
uh, structure, but you got to now follow different sanitizing to maintain um, the comfort level and obviously the health standards to avoid any kind of issues, which is right now an hour in between usage, go down, wipe it down with all the sanitizers. But um, yeah, any, anything you can do outside to enclose it of what, what, you know, along the lines of the law, that's, that's the only way you can really survive. It's tough. And how has it been using an online reservation system? I know that you're very cutting edge with that, and, and it seems to be a great setup. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits and challenges of that? Uh, yeah, again, it's another one of those areas where we pivoted. We didn't ever ha- plan on having a reservation system. Uh, we once, As we approached it, we were like, well, how do we maintain any type of uh, order you know, people just walking up and then you get lines on top of each other you can't ha- you know you do have the six foot distancing but still it's inevitable that someone's going to be on top of each other feeling comfortable so we you know we explored open table uh, again going through my wife's experience with them uh, they're more expensive we didn't know how we were going to use it we ended up going to resi um, whom American express to sport so it was our first experience with it and more more importantly our customers so we didn't change anything the reservation, reservation system's been really helpful in terms of, um, it's just, there's order. There, there's no one, you, you know, you get a little bit of backup because it's in, it's, it's very difficult to maintain. We, we do have a two-hour limit for anyone, uh, three or more, two people or an hour and a half. Again, just to keep it moving and, you know, get the, get, the summer's been great. So it was a little bit easier to have the reservations filled. It's been helpful. As we move further and further, into the winter, but going closer and closer to the spring, there'll be something where we reevaluate. Do we want to keep it? Which at this point, yes. Just like one of the things that we've done um, for every customer, we have someone that sanitizes, buses, runs, and the server. They each have an individual job for one table or whatever table. So that has also kind of uh, been one of the things that we changed. We didn't ever plan on having something like that. So that in the reservation system, I feel like those are two things that make the customer experience that much better that we, I don't see why we would change it no matter what happens when, you know, when the restrictions are loosened to 0%. But the reservation system has, has been helpful. It wasn't something I, I planned on, but just uh, definitely recommend it in, in our situation. I know you were an accounting major in college, worked on Wall Street for a while, investment banking, and then... Trader. Oh, trader. Yep. And ended up getting into the, the brew pub business, what advice would you give to yourself at 20 about entering into business? Well, it's tough because I give my 23 year old niece advice. <laughs> Fair. So what advice? Do you <laughs> it took me a little while to, uh, to find my footing. Um, I, I, like you just said, I have an accounting degree and that's how I started out just assuming that's the way to go. And it totally was not for me. It was very boring. Um, so I pivoted into trading and traded for 20 years. But in between, uh, again, you, you, you find out who you are. And it doesn't happen. Some people happen to right out of college. Some are later in life. I think you, uh, my advice is 21 is young. You, don't, you, pro- you may not know exactly what you want to do, but take your time and figure out and, and be happy. So... As a trader for 20 years, I enjoyed it and uh, it got me to where I am today. However, I have infinitely more fun doing what I'm doing and it's not, I don't consider this work. So I, I, don't, I feel like figure out what it is that's not really work. It's your, it's your, day, your daily lifestyle. 
And on the distribution side, I know that that's um, a major component of the business in, in a way of, do you do it? Do you not? What are some of the decision points that come into play there? For Florida, you, you have to, you can't self, there's no opportunity to self-distribute. So you're beholden to a distributor. And it's very, very difficult to, um, uh, you know, uh, we, we crack the market, you know, uh, you know, make it, it, it was, it was, we did it when we started it. it unfortunately, I think we just started a little bit too late down there, uh, in Connecticut, it, you can self-distribute. So you have the opportunity to almost get your feet wet to see, Hey, you know, can, you can do it to a threshold. And that's really where I think you can make a decision where down there you're, uh, you just kind of beholden to the distributor and is down. It just didn't really work down in Jacksonville, uh, for whatever reason. Um, but I'm not, you know, for here, it really just depends on, on, I guess, on how you push it, your brand and how much people want. I mean, you got great. There's so many bears out there to choose from too. That's the tough part. How, how do you separate yourself from sea hag from counterway? It's tough. And there's so many good ones out there. Fox farm, you know I mean? It's just, they're endless. So I th but at least in Connecticut, you have that opportunity to like start locally and then you can make a decision from there. I know that canning is something that comes into play quite a bit for breweries overall, specifically with the pandemic and folks being at home, wanting to drink. And a lot of breweries, brew pubs are set up to, to have folks at the on-premise, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the challenges you may have went through? in terms of shifting to canning, if, if that was the case? Uh, well, we did in the beginning because, uh, again, when we were doing takeout, we only had a crawler machine. So that, uh, <laughs> that wasn't really built for doing canning of two, 300 cases of beer. So we, we did it, and then we had out, outside tripod canning came in and started canning for us. Um, so so that, was, that was a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. That was a lot easier. Um, but... Uh, it, you'd have to, everyone's, you know, like if you're a pure brewery, you probably have a warehouse where you have the space to get a canning machine. We do, we just don't have that capability. We have a small can, you know, we just actually purchased a small canning machine so we could do small runs of cans outside of it. Uh, but I think again, every case is different. Uh, we weren't, we have a small seven barrel system that we actually just upgraded two of the bar, um, fermenting tanks to 14 barrels so we could produce a little bit more, but it's still... It's still difficult to get that out there um, where, you know, I, I'm assuming a lot of these uh, breweries around here, they, they have the capability to do the canning on, on site and, and really up, up production. But as I understand it right now, there's, there's going to be a shortage of cans because of the, uh, the pandemic. Everyone's been switching to cans. Yeah. <clears throat> and the trade, the trade uh, issues with China. Yes. yes. China <laughs> makes... What, uh, over 50% of the aluminum? aluminum yeah. Bob, I can't thank you enough for your time. Don't want to take up too much more of it. Anything you want to end with? Uh, it's been a while since we've done this, uh, Brett, and it's, yeah. been, uh, it's been great. I'll actually do it again. Um, but uh, I, honestly, I, just, I, I feel very blessed to be in a situation that I've been in. Uh, the community support has been tremendous, and in, in the, uh, the staff uh, and, and managers have just been absolutely tremendous. So I just feel fortunate. I want to thank everyone that's come to Dockside and and enjoy their time. Our whole purpose is to have a great customer experience. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Bob. So glad the business is going well. Always great having you. And uh, thanks everybody for listening and tune in next time for Win the Future. Thank you for listening to the Win the Future podcast, sponsored by the strategic communications firm, A Better Campaign.
Make sure to visit our website at abettercampaign.com backslash win the future. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of Win the Future.